I'm Sounds, back. Uh, back in the saddle. That's right. He's did you, back. Did in you the miss saddle. us? I did. Dude, very I'm much. S- I'm singing this whole fucking show. <laughs> 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 I told Grady that story. <laughs> and uh, he, I think he misheard me because he's like, How is he so funny? <laughs> I said, JB? And he goes, Oh, you said JB? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong JB. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, gentlemen, here we go. We're going to start it off like this. I like what you did there. I don't get it. (laughs) Where are you going with this? I'll give you two guesses, Jared. One, the reason why, and two, who is it? Um, Is it John Williams? Very good. It is. It, is yeah. it because it could be a certain date in May, which I'm really into tomorrow's day. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, Mexican beer and a May. Why can't holiday. you just have a Modelo on May the fourth? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we don't. I mean, let's cross pollinate some of these phenomenal date opportunities here. How about that, John Williams? You've been dogging me about the freaking music. And I got John Williams. Okay, that's question 1A. 1B, which symphony plays it? I don't know that. Okay. That would be London. Name name another symphony. Uh, St. Louis Okay, symphony. next. <laughs> yeah, it was not the St. Louis symphony. <laughs> Pow. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we're back. Another episode, Soccer Dad Pod. We have a guest sitting here ripping through some lovely cold... Zwickle, because today we are a little change of scenery. We're down here uh, still in Midtown. Uh, we're at our friends over at Urban Chestnut in Midtown in the Barrel Room, having a little episode tonight and drinking some, it looks like everybody actually has cold and yellow. Yours though, Zach? That's Bal- German. Balkan treat box. Balkan. That's what I got. Oh, that's what I got. Why is, oh, well, how did you get the big handle mug though? They liked me better. <laughs> you, you, like? you weren't standing there with us. I think are that, you I, at the... <laughs> That's Maybe. got a stink palm on it. That's got a stink palm on it. That's yeah, what it no, there we go. Um, now, you know what? We've talked about Urban before. We've had John on the show previously. Uh, I love these guys. I love their beer. I love the vibe. Um, tonight, they have uh, May the 4th, Star Wars trivia. So you're going to be listening to this probably tomorrow or the next day. So don't come. It's over. Um, <laughs> private event in the beer garden, which, uh, if you've got a party, you need to throw, hit them up because they got plenty of space here to do a multitude of, uh, planning and logistics for you. Um, we've been talking logistics for a while, man. I, that, that word came out because my friend Jared here and guests today, were talking about shipping product. Mm. Mm-hmm. Zach's like, and I missed it. Shoot. Shoot. <laughs> Golly gee. And can we go back? Can we can we can we say that uh Mr. Shine um and God bless him is gonna help Kelly and I? I mean, that's gonna be a big deal. Yeah, no. I mean we we've we've mentioned it before. You guys uh I tell you what, Jared, I'm gonna time it. You got twenty seconds. Pitch the trailer. Tell our listeners what you have coming down the pipe, coming down the road. So it to speak. is on the rocks beverage trailer. It is a all services full scale bar for any of your bar mitzvah, wedding, party, cul-de-sac, event. Um, we can rock and roll, and you can um, you can get a drink from us. Did and you did you come up with the name? 
because of the state of your marriage or was there some <laughs> other... Oh, I see what he's doing there. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> I mean, maybe from an outsider looking in, that's the state of my marriage, but... Oh, I, no. yeah, I mean, I'm gorgeous. And then also... I wouldn't say that. I, I think, think that I, she's... I think she is just... You know what it is? You're like, you're like that crippled dog on the side of the road, and she loves <laughs> <God>. dogs. <laughs> she uh, is taking care of you the whole time. I No, I think... <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, hung up, I've hung out with both of you long enough to know that you were made for each other. And <laughs> it is so much fun to hang out with the two of you guys because... She does not put up with your shit. No, no, and they, but the thing is, like, she participates in the shit. She, she acts does. like she's above the shit. For example, on our <laughs> flight back from uh, where were we last? Austin. Austin. Thank you. <clears throat> on the flight back from Austin, I'm five rows in front of the two of them. We're on a two and two American Airlines flight, right? I'm sitting on the side. Halfway through the flight, I feel a thump on the top of my head. <laughs> And I, and I don't even turn around. I know who it is. At first, I thought it was just like him flicking me in like a, you know, a dick joke. And then about 10 minutes later, probably two more thumps on the back of my head. He's throwing. I don't even know what you threw. I, I didn't even Peanuts. Throw. Nibs. Yeah. And so when Nibs. I finally turned around. <laughs> Low fast. So I finally turn around, <laughs> get up, and Kelly's laughing like, it's so funny. Like, as much as she thinks that you're a shithead, she's completely part of the problem. Yeah. She buys in every once in a while. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. So a uh, lot of things going on uh, before we get into the com- our conversation today with our guest. Um, soccer news, city news. Um, where do we want to start? We want to start with city. Kim Gardner. Kim Gardner is out. Yeah, the whole city. I've, <laughs> the text messages are literally flowing in right now like, oh, my God, may, maybe. But, may the uh, fourth be with us. May the may, may the fourth. Yeah, there you go. Yes, Kim Gardner is out as CA. Well, if we're going to, should we talk about our other, you know, in our sphere of media? We're in media. Light a candle for Tucker and Don. Nah. No, no. Well, you know, I don't, don't want to light guys. a candle for any of them anymore. I just, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Just do better. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, you know, bumper stickers, stickers should just be sell bumper stickers and say, do don't better. be an asshole. Yeah. Do better. Do better. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Agreed. How hard is that? Uh, let's talk a little soccer real quick. Because apparently we're supposed to talk about soccer on this show. <laughs> uh, City, 6-3-1. and one. Yep. Um, we are on the road to Dallas. We need to bounce back. We need to bounce back. Big bad. game, I, I think. I think it's a big game for us for a lot of reasons. And one of them was our last episode. Altrost. He's going to be up. in Dallas, being recognized, um, as well as being a part of the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And I think having that representation, hopefully McBride will be there as well. Um, and I, it's, it's to win in that environment, I think would be pretty special, especially since you know the U15s beat him as well. So, Ooh. We did, nice. We did. We did not so mention did that last time. We missed that, didn't we? Seventeens beat us. Beat beat Dallas as well. So seventeens, fifteens, and now the first team just needs to show up. Yeah, I like it. I like it. You know, with the, with the uh, the ceremony that they're going to have on the field, because uh, as Al mentioned in the episode, uh, you have Demarcus Beasley and a handful of uh, new inductees. They're going to be honoring those guys Evan. and uh, some of the old older the OGs. Uh, the two from St. Louis will be Al Trost and uh, Pat Joe Ellis. I think isn't is being inducted as well. Um, so it, it's it's cool. You know the 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 last episode. If you get a chance, if you haven't listened, go back. Um, <clears throat> Al was one of those guests that I was completely 
caught off guard in a really good way just, by his humbleness. I, just so unbelievably effing humble. You can't even make it up. I mean, he was the most humble guy with his accolades I've ever talked to. So, so you guys, I mean, you guys know the deal because you get messages every now and then as well. But I got a message uh, from a stranger on social media after the Altrost episode uh, that they listened to it and they sent this note and they were like, "Hey, when I was a kid," or uh, "No, no, no, that was a different one." This guy said, "We've been playing uh, at uh, Veta for a while. We were in this men's league." And, um, you know, there's this old gray-haired guy that was the referee and was always so nice on the field. And after the game, you know, we thought we were really good because we won and we're having some beers and said something about uh, how nice the referee was to the bartender. And she's like, well, you guys are pretty lucky because that's Al Trost. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and he's just out there. And I just envisioning like his, uh, you know, the cr chronology of his life, you know, playing at that level, doing what he did. Uh, and then moving into high school and love being around the kids and coaching kids. And in his free time, he's refing Veta games just because he loves the game. I just can't believe that uh, still to this day, the most unbelievable stat ever is in all those major American sports, whether it's the, the top player in male amateur collegiate sports, there's like five or six people, seven people that have won multiple players of the year, and he's one of them in our backyard. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. Well, it's crazy, too, when you talk about the humility. He's still subbed at Parkway. <laughs> yeah. He still gets yeah, he called still in. Yeah, he still goes in as a sub. And so these kids teacher. are sitting there going, oh, my God, we got this old guy as our sub. They have no idea what this guy has done. How about the hotshot sophomore that's starting on varsity boys soccer that thinks his shit don't stink? Yeah. Mr. Trost, um, I got to leave early for uh, a game today against Parkway North. Okay, son. <laughs> Yo, you think you're good. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. <laughs> well, I tell you what, here's what we're going to do. Uh, first off, you, the listener, you're going to go back, you're going to listen to the Al episode, and you're going to feel uh, re-inspired and invigorated and be like, I'm not going to be an asshole anymore because that guy's inspiring. Do that first. Second, share an episode with a friend, you know, because you, you know, sharing the word, uh, of what we're trying to do here, it helps us out. It, it just, it's a, it's a full pl placebo, but we appreciate it. Um, what we're going to do now is we're going to roll into our guest and I'm bringing back the walk up song. Oh yeah, I am. Are you ready, Zach? Uh, yep. Are you ready, guest? Yeah, as long as you don't make me identify it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's no. why I hesitated. Here it goes. Ready? I always feel stupid. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Sorry. Right, tech, technical difficulty real quick, and I fix it. Here we go. We're going to play Name That Tune first. Now, there's plenty of people listening that already know it. They know who it is. Any guesses? I know what it is, too, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I can't name it. You can't name this song? Oh my goodness! Hold on, just let it keep going. Well, I'll keep talking so we don't get in trouble. But yeah, no, we got to talk a little I need bit. A little bit. I can more. tell you who the singer is: Jerry Rafferty from Steelers Wheels. Remember him? Yes. Uh, oh yeah! Now everybody's like intrigued, but I don't know the name of it. I think I skated to this one at Saints oh, sure. Roller Rink. Oh yeah, <laughs> Well, the song today is in honor of our guest, Mister. Josh Allen from Companion Bakery, and the song is called Baker Street. Oh, uh, I see yeah. what you did there. You That's see nice. What you did there? That's nice. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I wish it would have said. I, I wish he would have titled it Baker's Street. I think that would have been kind of cooler. But 
I take what I'm given. <laughs> this was on short notice, too. I think I'm filling in, right? No, no, no. You were on the list. We just simply reorganized the schedule. Okay. There's a difference between filling in and... Yeah, you weren't, you weren't, you weren't plan B. That's for sure. No, we just... Well, I uh, certain sh- certainly shouldn't be following Al Trost. I, I know that. <laughs> no, you know, uh, hey, look, I... I when I when I think about this show and I think about guests in particular, I, I it's important to me to keep things just just relevant. And I think that a rotation between individuals that come from a you know a ton of different walks, uh, professionally, athletically, uh, commercially, business wise, family wise, um, we're going to keep doing that because. All of us and the things that we do and where we come from really is the fabric of any community. And you, you know, you're a lover of the game. You've played the game. Your kids. I am a soccer dad. You are a soccer dad. So you really you check the the first box. And I think does that mean I get a hat? Oh, I got hats. Yes. Yes. I heard. See, I've I've been listening. (laughs) I know how this shit works. I get a hat. That's why I'm here. Okay. Well, Jared, I tell you what. Will you go back outside? (laughs) Jared's back with some. I'll see you guys in a minute. All right. No, uh, thanks for joining us, Josh. I um, and I was one of the five thousand at Francis Field because I was born in 1969. So I'm going to take it way back. I'm a little older than you, gentlemen. Just a touch. And uh, my soccer mentor was Bob Madison who was, I think Al referred to him as one of the Southsiders. He so did. Bob went to St. Mary's, and he was <laughs> uh, he was at SLU that whole period, won the national championships with him. And Bob worked with my dad for almost 30 or 40 years. I don't know how long. And he was working with my dad. My dad had a broadline food distribution company called Allen Foods. Yeah, they kind of, uh, kind of big. They were, they were around. They did, they did well. I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah. and, and Bob worked with my dad in this, when he was playing for the Stars. I mean, Al mentioned that most of those guys had real jobs during the day, and, yeah. and that's what he did. And then he would play in the evening. And I don't even know when they trained. I'm not, I was very young at the time, but we used to go watch him play um, at Francis Field. So I was out there, and all those guys and and it was really cool so now did you grow up in the central corridor or where where did you grow up what you know the typical question what high school yeah, I, went to, I went to Ledoux high school so played soccer at Ledoux played soccer there so when you were growing up I mean obviously they had a soccer team there we did <laughs> they were really smart you know we scared <laughs> <laughs> the rain my senior year the only big thing that we can talk about is that my senior year we took CBC to overtime in the district finals. And we had no business being in the district finals against CBC. We took them to overtime. The game got called because of darkness. We had to come the next day and finish the game. And I think they scored in the first 90 seconds the next day. But can you, we, we put a little scare into him for a minute. So, he's, so you graduated 87, in 88, 87? Okay. So can you imagine what Coach Mickler's <laughs> speech was right before those kids went to bed? You know, like, what, what, you know, what are they going to wake up to? We're tied against these assholes. No, it didn't take long the next day. No, it's, uh, you know, it's funny because it's, um, you know, mentioning, uh, you know, the, the Al show and these, these connections. It is one of those things that uh, there's the common denominator in our town you've in virtually every circle is soccer to a large degree, whether it was CYC through a parish or high school stories or, you know, a friend of a friend or employee in, in the case with your dad. Um, 
So I, I wanted to bring you on because you've got a lot of things going on. I mean, you know, the, the bakery's approaching its uh, 30th anniversary. Yeah. Um, your, you know, your, your father kicked it off with Allen Foods, and so you grew up in the industry, and he was a, he was a major player in the marketplace, um, you know, kind of a, a, an anchor here in the St. Louis community business-wise. You, let's, let's talk about, for you personally, what, what got you into the, the, the food world, obviously, coming from it, and why baking? What, you know, what, 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 what got you into making bread? So outside of stealing my sister's Easy Bake Oven when I was a kid, baking brownies by a light bulb, um, I mean, my mom always baked, and I grew up in the food business. So we, we made deliveries. We, you know, I, uh, we made deliveries on the way to soccer games, on the way to basketball games. Um, I used to unload rail cars of French fries for White Castle when I was in high school because my, my dad would bring in rail cars of their French fries, and we'd unload, I can't even remember, 30, 40, 50 pallets of French fries um, <laughs> in, in the warehouse um, I drove the hotshot van, just made deliveries for them um, all the time. So I just grew up in the business, and it's what we did. I was very comfortable in the back of a kitchen, um, and I went to I went to college probably with the intention of um, well, I went to the college in hopes of playing soccer, and it didn't pan out. Um, but I think um, it went went to the intention that I was going to go work for my family's business, and so kind of learned how to think in school. Took a whole bunch of different stuff, and ended up getting a job in a restaurant. After graduating and I was racing when the soccer thing didn't work out and started racing triathlons and was an amateur triathlete and wanted to work at night so I got a job in a restaurant so I could train during the day, ended up getting a job in Whole Foods Bakery in Palo Alto. Um, well, I think Whole Foods Palo Alto was the number third or fourth Whole Foods in the country at the time. Their, their model at the time was to open only inside of college, mm -hmm. in, in little college cities, you know, sure. educated college cities. And I was working in the basement there and just fell in love with baking. And those that have had the chance to bake professionally either love it or hate it because it's hot and it's monotonous. And it, it happened to really... God, it smells good, though. It does. But it happened yeah, to really appeal to me. The, I mean, it it's can be... If you're doing it right, it's incredibly boring and incredibly monotonous because you're doing the same thing every day and you just hope that you don't screw it up. Yeah, but what about the hours, though? Because don't you have to wake up whenever the yeast is waking up at, like, 2 in the morning and... Yeah, I mean, that the, the job bread. at Whole Foods was, you know, 2 a.m. To, to 11 a.m. I've worked the overnight. The bakery now runs 24-7, so we, we have all kinds of shifts. You just leave the happen. bar and go straight to work. Yeah, basically. Or go to work and then go straight to the bar. I mean, either, however you want to do it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you guys have been on a tremendous run, and, and you know, a lot of your businesses... Uh, providing product to third-party uh, users. Uh, some of the clients that, you know, I, I'm familiar with, um, if you are, well, let's do this. If you eat a hot dog, where are you going to get your hot dog from? Steve's. Jared. Uh, we're, uh, I'm uh, Nathan's. Steve's. There Steve's. you go. Steve's. Uh, Steve's is, I mean, uh, Nathan's, right? Or no, no, you got to go get your hot dog from somebody. I didn't say. Oh, I got to go to a place and buy a hot dog? Steve's, look, Zach answered it for you. The, the answer is. Steve's. Steve's. Uh, He's going back to grilling in the backyard, right? Yeah. I've heard of Steve's. I've you can buy a dogs. package of Nathan's hot dogs, but you have to make them. Yeah. Or you can go to Steve's That's true. and get a smoked Nathan's hot dog on some really, really good bun. bread. There you go. See? Oh. See what we did there? Oh, I see where you guys are going. And then this. you uh the the new the new addition is a uh an inter, a, a two location enterprise. So again, we're going to play a little quiz here see if you two can get this. Uh two location enterprise. First one was and this is going to give it away. Pontiac, Illinois. 
Uh, and uh, Wally's. No, look at that. He's quick, man. You're slow to come on, Jared. Wake up. I, I I'm, <laughs> I'm awake. Um, but their uh, their brisket sandwiches and you know the oh, same. So you guys good. are now working with them and providing them uh, buns for the sandwiches and stuff. Um, their so, buns make the sandwich. So and that was me just going there twice a week after <laughs> practice. <laughs> And I mean, it's, you got to buy a prime, right? Like you get sucked into the prime thing with your kids. I think you guys talked about oh, that yeah, before. Oh, uh, I'm uh, sucked into that. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And then we, yeah, I mean, once you go into a place enough times, I've always sort of had a rule in my head that I only want to, you know, frequent places that are buying our product. And so if I'm going to go there, I got to figure out how to sell them some bread. So, so yeah. So what did you do? You walk up to the, and say, excuse me, I own Companion Bakery. Would you like to use my bread? I mean, how does, how does a conversation like that start in your world? Because I got buns, son. <laughs> there you go. Oh, there he is. That. There he is. Yeah, I mean, we, we reach out. It turns out that the director of food service operations used to work at a country club that we've done business with for a long time. It's a very incestuous restaurant town, no different than you talk about the soccer community being small. Right, I mean, the restaurant right. community is small, and, and we've been here for 30 years. So in, in general, we sort of know everybody. And had, and as you know, we try not to burn any bridges, and we try to take care of our customers and treat people with you know yeah. integrity. And it... it tends to pay off in the long run if we can do that and 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 the Wally's thing certainly worked out and and I mean actually we were super intrigued I mean you guys talk about city obviously that's a big part of the show and and the stadium is a big part of of, of our business now and we yeah. were very focused in the last couple of years of doing what we could we've had a great relationship with Gerard Kraft who's the flavor officer who was kind of curating the food mix and and we have a handful of folks you know he's using our product there in the pitch club and and Steve's is using our product and the block is using our product for their um, for their burgers and and it's just a big piece of we really wanted to be a part of it in, in some way and and I think it's a it's the, the vendor community is also been benefited you talk about all the benefits that it's brought you know in terms of attention and excitement yeah. for the fans but there's a lot of vendors and a lot of folks on the peripheral that are being supported by by such a terrific enterprise in St. Louis. So I was gonna I was gonna bring that up because I you know I I, I knew that you had the relationships with some of these vendors but you know, you as a soccer fan, as a soccer dad, you know, and having these long-term relationships with uh, some of the some of the vendors in the site, you know, what 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 was it like for you, uh, just as a fan, knowing that you're you're part of that equation because the fan experience at the stadium is really. Uh, the, yeah, it's it's unbelievable. The ownership group is trying to ensure that that fan experience can mimic, match, keep pace with you know the performance on the field. Is you know clearly as long as the team keeps winning and performing well. But talk about just kind of that guttural reaction, the feeling you know because you you're able to kind of cross over between being a fan and being a part of the fabric of the stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing, right? Like, I mean, as a kid growing up in St. Louis, obviously the 80s with the Cardinals and and not only the, the, the World Series championships in the 80s, but also the um, opening day and what that experience was like. And, and it's funny, no one will remember this, but I do. We baked for, for about three years. We baked Willie McGee cookies. There was a period of time where <laughs> Willie McGee, um, there used to be a family that would bake cookies for him and bring them down to the field. And he befriended these folks and eventually the Cardinals and Willie said, we should figure out how to sell these things at the stadium. And they needed some, you know, Yahoo that was small enough, you know, nimble enough to do it, but small enough to be willing to do it. And we baked these little two packs of cookies for the stadium for a period of time and, nice. and got to do that and sort of tied that into that experience. And obviously we, we actually sold a lot of bread to um, America Center that was also Levy Food Service. 
who was handling America Center when the Rams were here and all of the excitement that was happening with the Rams and, and what a great experience in, in 99 and 2000, you know, when, when they were really obviously at the was time. Your, your buns, were, were they on the Ram dog? <laughs> I, possibly. Yeah, you were there. You were a season. I was there. I was there a lot. <laughs> I was blacked out most of the time, but I was there. <laughs> so let me ask you this. They, um, you had mentioned some of your partners and, and, and where we can find companion bakery um, products. What would you say is, uh, for our listeners, um, when they're out um, – uh, ordering food, where where is um, where is your product? Where do you have the most volume of your product at currently in St. Louis? Well, I mean, we sell our bread in, in Deerbergs and Schnooks and Straubs in the grocery stores mm-hmm. under our name, under our brand, and then we sell to a number of restaurants. And so we have a lot of restaurant partners that we're you know, we're super proud of the experience. And a lot of those are, are special products that we're making for folks. So Kevin Nashen from Sydney Street and Peacemaker is a good friend of mine. Nice. So the the lobster roll and the poor boys at, at uh. Peacemaker are our product. And and. You know, we love those partnerships and those collaborations because, you know, these super talented folks and, and St. Louis is an incredible independent restaurant town. And yeah. you guys compare, mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of conversations on this show about Kansas City. So we're going to mm-hmm. say that, that, that versus Kansas City, it's, it's an incredible food community and the, the chains that were in Kansas City for years and years and years, you could go to the plaza and go to Cheesecake Factory and go to P.F. Chang's, and it took 15 years for those folks to come to St. Louis because St. Louis yeah. has been fiercely independent, and the community supports those independents, and, and that's been a big piece of our, that's our success and, so, our, and so our ability to grow. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In Podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you are interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. So is Kansas City's uh, bread scene basically like bunny bread, or I mean, they're know? starting to have they're, they're starting <laughs> to have a scene. My my my, my next Split question top loaf is um, talk about your experience recently um, in the last timeline, however long that may be. Um, have you guys had um, bad experiences with ingredient shortages and or just raising food rising food costs? I mean, that, that's a big gig for anybody, a manufacturer like yourself, correct? Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, look, part of the, the, the legacy of trying to build a company with some integrity is you develop those relationships over time. So in terms of shortages, we did really well because we, we've had long-term relationships. We don't jump around vendors all the time. To us, it's a partnership, and so we've done well with that. Cost is a whole other story. You know, flour is 250% more expensive than it Damn. was. I mean, part of that's the war in Ukraine and, and right. what's right. happened. Right. With, with wheat around the world, but eggs are 300% higher. Part of that is yeah. the shortage. Part of that's avian flu and some other things that are happening. Butter's up. Um, there have been chocolate shortages over the last year. I mean, some different things. I mean, it's, it, there's it's been, been a fight. challenge. It's been a fight, yeah. Um, and same with people. I mean, we're, we're, we have the... 
it's, it's not the world's most romantic craft. I mean, it might be in terms of folks wanting to bake sourdough bread when they were stuck at home during the pandemic, but working in <laughs> yeah. a factory overnight isn't always the most attractive thing. Yeah, so. Kim, Kim would do that. You I know, never got my starter. About, yeah, about 30, 30, days, <laughs> 30 days into COVID, Kim's like, I don't know why Josh thinks this is so hard, you know? <laughs> yeah, 45 days like, with a... She's got two baguettes that are... I mean, they were good. I mean, I'll give her credit. They were I, good, yeah. but I'm like... What are you even talking about? Like, if you drove this to your mother, your mom's house, it'd be bad by the time we get there. He ships all over the country. Yeah, We're he baked nine truckloads of that last night. <laughs> right. Well, I'm curious. You mentioned Whole Foods and starting out there. I went to a beer tasting. There's, there's a connection here with a gentleman who's the head brewer at Melvin Brewing down in Eureka. He got his start as the uh, recipe creator for the Whole Foods kitchens out in California, and then he went to Denver. So he developed kind of a love for creating recipes for his beer from his work at Whole Foods. How did your work at Whole Foods, did it kind of inspire you to, to go down the bread path? Or how did, how did going from, from Palo Alto Whole Foods to, I think I'm just going to focus on bread. Like what, what made that, that, yeah, I mean, I really just fell in love with the craft. I mean, we're, you're taking flour, water and salt and turning it into something every day. And there was yeah. something really cool for me about turning that mixer on. And at the end of the day, seeing this cooling rack full of product or in the case of whole foods on the shelf and, and people purchasing it. And, and I really enjoyed that. And the, and the challenge of making it the same every day and getting the same consistency when the weather changed and, and the California weather didn't change nearly as the weather changes here in St. Louis, but, um, you know, sort of that experience. And I ended up bouncing around to a couple of little small shops and having that experience. And then eventually I moved home and, and my family who had been in the food business, who I was very concerned would, um, not be some supportive of me trying something different wasn't, I mean, they're the ones that loaned me the money. My grandfather loaned me the money to buy an oven from France and I put it on a boat. And, and while it was coming over from France, you know, tiled the floor and painted the walls of about a thousand square feet of a building they owned at the time in South City. And that's where we ended up for 22 years before we moved out to Maryland. House. And you were 24 when you started roughly? Yeah, but that's, I mean, right. You just, you do shit that you don't think you don't know any better, right? I love that movie Ratatouille. <laughs> 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 Ratatouille is a you're, great You're movie. right on, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, it's the thing is like, I, I, I think what keeps sticking in my brain here, and this is like, uh, and why I could never do it, like the, the repetition. Um, I'm, I'm just enamored by the fact that, that, that you had that kind of passion, have that kind of passion to make a product that technically needs to be the same every day. Because realistically, you probably have it as close to great if there's great, you know, possible. You know, you have it there. You've got it dialed in. You're doing it every single day. But you have the passion for it every time it walks out the door, rolls out the door, right? Um, how do you maintain the enthusiasm? Is it is it natural, or do you do you have tr tricks of the trade in your own world uh, for the repetition? Well, I, honestly, the, the the passion comes from the relationships with the customers. Um, you know, and, and I really enjoy the idea of helping a chef or a restaurateur tell their story on a plate, and that story 
bread pr plays a role in that story, right? So if we go back to the Kevin Nashian experience, I mean, he has a very specific idea of he wants that, what he wants that poor boy and that lobster roll to be like. And so yeah. to spend the time with him to develop that is just really, it's inspiring to, to think about what these folks are doing, the men and women in that industry and, and their vision for it, and if we can play a role in that. So so making bread every day certainly can get boring, but but not making bread every day for new customers and developing those new things. And, and there's another Josh at the bakery, Josh Galliano, who is a very... He was a very talented chef, James Beard, semi-fire finalist a couple of times, and, wow. and I eventually brought him over, and he now does innovation work for us. He's been with us for almost 10 years, and 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 he does a lot of that work and can obviously talk the talk and walk the walk with those chefs, but those ideas, that's the thing that, that gets us every day, is helping tell those stories. And, and even somebody like Wally's has a very specific way that they want to sell that product and what they're looking for. We work with the folks at High Point on a burger bun. Mm -hmm. We developed with them. Um, it just really in the last year yeah. and they had, and they have a very specific uh -huh. need and, and the pandemic has changed things for people, which is so interesting because it used to be that a burger at high point, you know, by the time it came off the grill, it would be in the customer's hands in minutes or they'd come pick it up and they would eat it. And now with DoorDash and with curbside and it with sits, the way the whole world is changing, yeah. now it's got to change. And so how does that experience, how can it be the same if it's 15 or 20 or 30 minutes after it comes off the grill as it was before and, and how they manipulate their ingredients and and the bun choice that they make and all of those things play a role in that. And it's really fun to work through that with people because they have a passion of delivering this great burger experience. And it was being um, it was being hindered by the just the change in the landscape. Yeah. And so we it's it's really fun to help with that. How does competition fuel that passion as well? Because there are other options. And I think going back to beer, because we're in a beer hall, the beer industry in, in St. Louis, while competitive, is also very complementary in that they all kind of work together on different aspects mm -hmm. of the business. That's and, well said. You know, trying to help each other grow and, and mold. <clears throat> Do you see similar aspects in the bread industry in St. Louis, or is it pretty much companion and then the, the big guys? No, I mean, in St. Louis, that's absolutely the case. I mean, as we start to ship bread outside of St. Louis, and a big part of our business is shipping bread across the country now, um, then it becomes anybody else who has bread in a box. Um, right. Um, and where we where we win, if we win or when we win, it's because of our interest in having that relationship. So sure. it's really about the nimbleness and the flexibility. We're very small versus... You know, a, a large scale, so you may have seen La Brea in Schnucks or sure. a couple brands like that. They're shipping 250, 300,000 cases of bread a week. We're shipping 6,000 cases of bread a week. So what we want is a, is a small multi-unit operator. Somebody, you know, Pickleman's is a customer of ours, as an example. They've got oh. 35 delis. Um, you know, they want, they want something special and they want to know the baker and have a relationship. So that's right in the sweet spot of what we can do. And somebody shipping... 250,000 cases isn't going to stop a line or stop a process to make them something special. Um, but we'll do that. And we love, again, it's, it goes back to the relationship. It's how my family grew their business. It was a relationship. I mean, they were selling groceries that the same folks were also selling and, and where they were successful was in the relationship. It was us making a delivery on the way to a game. It was picking up the phone if somebody had a problem and solving the problem. And, and that's, 
that you know, that's what it's to me. That's what it's all about, and that's what my family instilled in me. And um, let's I think not send a flipping email, and somebody may answer you. <laughs> yeah, emails ruin our world. <laughs> I, really? I hate email. People, I don't know, man. Have you ever seen the face of a mail carrier? <laughs> I think email is helping a lot of people. <laughs> we, I don't, you know what's weird? In, in my role now, I get maybe, and this is no joke. I work for Salesforce. I I get maybe seven emails a day. That's unbelievable. Everything else goes to our Slack or uh, Teams. Well, or you're, you're still so getting messages. What I'm, what I'm yeah. getting at is it's it's shifting. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to a question I wanted to have for you, Josh, which is you, you talked about the changing landscape. You talked about the price increases of your main ingredients. You talked about a little bit the, the competition. Where do you see, I mean, <laughs> you, you talked about being a triathlete. And there was a war on carbs there for a while. I think there still is <laughs> right. among some, certain people. How did you guys address that? And, and where do you see those kind of trends? Do you see another trend hitting the bread industry outside of economic pressures? What do you see there? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think when, when we first opened, we didn't really appreciate um, the low fat craze of the mid nineties. <laughs> and looking back on it, you know, I you don't could either. eat. Is, wait, when I say Atkins, what do you think? <laughs> well, I mean, in the mid nineties, it was you could have twelve bagels as long as you didn't eat the cream cheese, right? right. Yeah, and fat. then all yeah. of a sudden, in the early two thousands, it became just eat the cream cheese and don't eat the bagels. And so, I mean, we were challenged in the in the early two thousands. Just with the business, um, I think now folks are. I'm going to do the air quote thing, which you can't see on on the podcast. But <laughs> he it's, did air you know, quotes. Folks, folks are carb aware, yeah. which means that that where we grew up eating, uh, you know, garlic bread and a plate of spaghetti. Now you're having either garlic bread or the plate of spaghetti, and not I. <laughs> <laughs> Many people, but what that leads to, I think, is people making a choice to increase the quality. So if I'm going to yeah. have a sandwich and I'm going to have bread. I want it to be great, right? I want that experience to yeah. be great. Same reason that the chefs are being so uh, so much more cognizant and intentional about what they're putting on the plate. Like if we're going to make a sandwich, let's make it a great sandwich. If we're going to serve table bread at dinner along with a steak, let's make it something interesting and different. And so for those of us that try to produce products of quality, in some respects, it's been helpful because it's sort of the commodity, the crappy Italian bread that used to be in the basket with the, you know, the red and white checked uh, napkin, that's sort of going away. Yeah. Um, you know, and the biggest example, I'll just use an example that we talk about sometimes, which is we used to sell bread to hotel. We sell bread to hotels, and and in the when we first opened the bakery, the multiplier would be two and a half. If you were having a banquet, how many rolls do I have to order? So if I was going to have a hundred <laughs> yeah. people at a banquet, I'd order two hundred and fifty dinner rolls. That number now is 0.5. Really, so they order. 50 maybe they order 50 dinner rolls because they don't get eaten yeah see People thanksgiving I ate 40 worst, of them at that dinner party <laughs> the worst thanksgiving yeah, yeah. my, my mother-in-law she is not listening she might but if she did she she's learned but she made one roll per person for thanksgiving that's she's, no one has forgiven her for that <laughs> So she's the kind of person, you know, earlier, uh, that crippled dog on the side of the road, she keeps driving. <laughs> yes, she has Jesus. learned and, and, and we've moved on. But well, you can call me. We can supplement. Yes. Well, I, <laughs> Your mother I, yeah, we are we well, are a bread bread family for sure. Here's what I want to do. I want to shift gears because uh, I've had the privilege of working with you, Josh, here the last uh, I mean, we're going on roughly a month and a half, two months, rough ballpark, maybe a little bit further back. We discussed um, you. Uh, reached out because you had a concept uh, for a podcast. Um, 
and actually, gentlemen, uh, to my left and right, which is Jared and Zach, in case you're not here looking at who's to my left and right, <laughs> um, this is our first TED Talker as a guest. Josh, TED Talk, when was that? And what? Two, that was the end of 21. 21, right? Yeah. So was we, the waste reduction? Yeah. Oh, I love that. So b- from that, we had, the, we had a discussion, and you were like, hey, um, I think I'm interested. I think I would like to explore, you know, what a, what a show would look like. And, you know, I kicked around a couple of ideas and you came back like two weeks later with a full on college thesis. I mean, was, <laughs> that was the Palo Alto. In, in I was like, <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay. You know, because we came up with the idea for this one, uh, with a significantly less paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and worse. But anyway, you have kicked off. Uh, it went live uh, last night, roughly. Um, it's called Baked In with Josh Allen, uh, a podcast that. Well, actually, do you do you have your intro memorized? I don't have my elevator pitch memorized, you, but uh, you, roughly though, go ahead and give no, everybody I, I an idea of what the show is. The idea is to talk to fellow entrepreneurs in the St. Louis area and region um, to gain insights into their culture and into their leadership styles, um, and in some instances into the metrics they use to sort of measure success within their own businesses. And the, you know, the, the wonderful thing about being in business for 30 years is I've met an awful lot of people and have developed a lot of relationships, and, and knock on wood, I'm not really sure because I think you were a little yeah. surprised, as I was, that, that folks said yes. Oh, my God. And we've been able to line up some guests that have been – it's really fun to hear their story and sort of hear about what they think about business. So, so what I love about the show is, is, is I'm, I'm big on shticks. I'm big on play on words, et cetera. And you, you being a baker with, you know, you use particular ingredients, you know, to make the bread. And what you're really leaning into as far as what you're exploring with your guest is, you know, what's the secret sauce? That's a, that's a hot word that is used often, you know, as far as what makes them successful. What do they do? What are the characteristics? And you're, you know, the, the talking about your guests, um, you follow this podcast because you you hit it out of the, you hit it out of the park with your season one guests. Let's let's go through some of these. Well, names the folks know that you're a producer extraordinaire. Like is that? No, I, know, I, know. I know when I listen that you keep that under wraps. No, well. no. But, but your guests and I've I've talked briefly to the two of you about this. Um, uh, I'm a consultant on the show. Um, he's talked more than briefly with me. Episode one because I love your taste tester on the show. Yeah, episode one, which is out there, so go check it out. Is with Maxine. Clark. Holy moly. Yeah. I mean, think about that. You decide, you you being, you know, John Doe decides, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to talk about business. I'm going to talk about why people are successful. In St. Louis. I'm, in St. Louis. I'm going to make some phone calls. I have a buddy. He's got a quick shop down the block. Not Josh Allen. He goes straight to Build-A-Bear. You know, well, so. She was a customer of our cafe <laughs> in Clayton for a long time. So <laughs> we've, I've known Maxine. Um. Yeah, but it's, it's amazing because this first season, uh, run through some of the names real quick. Just let's name drop. Oh, we mentioned Gerard a minute ago, and we talked a lot with Gerard about about St. Louis City. That's it's awesome. been um, and that episode, interestingly enough, is going to drop the week of the Kansas City rivalry game, nice. May twentieth. Yes, May. So that'll come out uh, two days before. So that'll be that week. And then you've had uh, you you were talking about Kevin Nashen earlier. Kevin's coming up. Right. Uh, Katie Lee Collier, who's opening her new restaurant Ooh. at Katie's Ballpark Pizza. Village. Yep. So from Katie's mm. Pizza. And then uh, Dan, Dan Abel, which is a name that you might not recognize the name, but you definitely know his product, and it's pronounced caramel, not caramel. 
uh, from Chocolate, Chocolate, Chocolate and Bissinger's, oh, yeah. which is you okay. know, the most iconic yeah. behind Hershey's, obviously. Yeah. Um, who else have we had here? We Cat Neville from Feast and now Explore STL. Um, Rick, Rick Wolf, who is uh, he owns Found Vintage and Found by the Pound. And I can't wait to listen to this son of a bitch. No, I mean, I mean this is yeah, phenomenal. I, 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 mean, I, I want to go down this. I'm going to go down this path, and here's the correlation. And this is, you know, yes, you're a soccer dad, um, but I wanted to talk about your show because the, the I think the correlation, the parallel between what we've been doing and the people we've been talking to, and the people that you're talking to within our backyard, they're the best at what they do, and their secrets are. You know, it's like those gleaming little nuggets, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's talk a little bit about your approach with these individuals because you're not just talking to somebody that's in business. You're talking to industry leaders. And how do you prepare to talk to them? And what's some of the things that have surprised you about engaging with them? Well, I, I think the, and, and many of them I have known or, or, I think the humility, and I think it speaks a lot to what you guys talked about with Altrost, and certainly when Bill McDermott was on a few weeks back. I mean, I mean, we have we have a community of really amazing people that have this kind of Midwestern hospitality, right? And this this whole idea of humbleness and just going about your craft and really knocking it out of the park, but not doing it, beating your chest and and making a lot of noise about it. And so. All of these folks, you know, a lot of it's about hard work and kind of grinding it out and putting your head down, but having a great idea and just delivering on delivering on the promise that they make to their customers. And it's really great to talk to those folks and, and you use secret sauce, but sort of get a little bit, you know, peel the covers back or peel the, peel the layers of the onion back a little bit and understand what their challenges are and what keeps them up at night and, 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 some, of the, and some of the things that they're working on. And then to talk to them about what's coming and what's down the line, because they all have some really cool things um, kind of happening. And we mentioned Gerard a second ago and, and Gerard sort of teased that he had a few things in the works. And then just yesterday or two days ago, he announced he's opening a 16,000 square foot barbecue concept at, at the foundry, yeah. which is going to be an amazing place. And so, you know, these guys are, are continuing to drive St. Louis forward and, and talking to Kat was incredibly eye-opening because Kat from, from Explore St. Louis is, is, a, is traveling the country trying to promote St. Louis and bringing folks here and getting conventions here and music festivals and, 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 really sort of showcasing I mean she said the hardest thing about showcasing St. Louis is it has so many things to offer it's hard to figure out which ones to focus on. Well it is and I think that the neighborhood concept really changes the dynamic. You, you talked about Kansas City a little bit ago and you think about Kansas City there are some neighborhoods but the plaza is kind of the where people go. Here there's quite a few different options for And even for in St. Charles County. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the a third largest county Missouri. area. So what I love about what you guys are doing, and I, I put you guys in the, the category of the Gerard Crafts and, and you and, and the folks that are really focusing on that, that basically Clark Street corridor. I think, and I would love to get your opinion on this, the more we invest in that area from <clears throat> Cardinal Stadium down, the more it's revitalizing in a non-gentrification way. And what I mean by that is we're not... <laughs> well, there's nobody to displace. Right. There's no There's nobody lives down there. But it is, it's, I'm sensing it, and I'm a county kid, so I sense it when I'm down here, you know, three days a week, that things are changing in a positive way, and it's not just, again, that displacement. Can you talk a little bit about, is, is there a, is that a concerted effort on the part of 
you and some of these other entrepreneurs you're talking to is to really focus on that? Or is it more just a byproduct of the investment you guys well, are making? Uh, let me cut in. No, no, nor is it just City St. Louis soccer, you know, trying to revitalize Midtown. It's a collection of what you're speaking on, Zach. All of these entrepreneurs, all of right. these cross industries coming together. I mean, I don't have a I don't have a crystal ball, but answer his question. But this could be a phenomenal melting pot of just food, entertainment, sporting. I mean, it's exciting. It is. Well, yeah, and you have the connection to Union Station, which right. has been sort of trying since the early '80s to, to to garner some momentum. But you know, the LHM Group invested with the with the aquarium and the Ferris wheel, and and sort of seeing what was coming and and all the things that were happening. And I mean, interesting, you mentioned the Maxine Clark episode. I mean, really, the other thing that Maxine's doing now. I mean, she left yeah. Bilderberg a number of years ago. She just started, not just started, but a couple of years ago, opened Delmar Divine, which is she took the old St. Luke's Hospital and has turned it into like the cortex of nonprofits and it's east of the loop about three quarters of a mile yeah. I'm well, probably going to get on Delmar on Delmar you know a little bit a little bit east of like third degree glass factory which is another area that just could be amazing and was yep. amazing a long time ago and if we can get some investment she's made some investment and if that can continue and bridge that gap then you've got you know, you've got the Lions and U City going all the way to DeBoliver, which then connects to Forest Park, which connects to Wash U. And, and there's yeah. those there's many, many, many pockets in which that's happening. And even Main Street in St. Charles, as you mentioned, you know, across the river, I mean, mm -hmm. they've certainly made a huge investment. And it's now this it's it's a great place to go, whether you're sitting outside at Salt Smoke eating barbecue on Main mm -hmm. Street or shopping in the antique malls or something. I mean, there's always that stuff happening and, and in many, many places that, that you mentioned. And um, sometimes the disparateness of that, maybe you worry that like, what if we just put all our efforts into one spot, you know, could we make it truly amazing? But I think the neighborhoods are what makes St. Louis what it is. I agree. I, it wasn't a consolidation question. It was more just about the sense that things are improving and that that folks are, are yes. Well, you've been, you, I mean, in, in reference to that uh, uh, line of questioning, you've been frontline. Within the food industry, because even the, yes, you, you make a particular product that people use and they put on the plate, but there's maybe seven, eight, nine other things that are on that plate, and then they've got to, you know, staff it and everything else. You've been on the front line, so you've seen what so many people are starting to experience now. You've seen it kind of percolate and build, specifically the food scene and just how good it is here in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's an incredible micro-vendor community, which we put ourselves in. So Schlafly opened in 91, sort of the first craft brewery. Right. right. Um, we opened in 93. Caldi's opened in 1994, sort of providing, you know, yeah. an upscale, better quality coffee to restaurants. The farmer's markets were really kind of growing and expanding at that time. So it's really, it's really changed. And it takes an incredible micro-vendor community to support these independent restaurants. Yeah, it to, is. To make it happen. And, and so being a part of that has been has been you know it's it's an honor and a privilege to bake for all these folks and to watch what's happening and 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 to see what's happening yeah sugar how fire is, is how, how rewarding i mean that, really that, cool. that's phenomenal i i just think about sugar, going to sugar fire the original location down <clears throat> olive and 170 170 basically. yeah they used to have and they might i haven't been there in a while but they had a, a board on their wall that showcased all the local vendors that they sourced their breads their meats their vegetables all that and I, I that was the first time i remember looking at that thinking holy crap that's really cool and then yeah. sugar fire is now blown up but then you get the high point you've got all these other places that are kind of not mimicking that model 
but certainly taking advantage of the idea that we have some really high quality options over the, the, you know, brands out there. No, and their willingness to invest in that, yes. right? Because there's a certain point of scale right. that they don't have to do that yep. or they could choose to do something else. Yeah, it's one of those things like we, uh, the one, St. Louis is one of those towns that like chains won't work. And there's something to that. And, you know, you, you start to peel the onion back. It's just because we prefer good shit and, and people like yourself, your product and these vendors, you know, they've got that edge and they got the willingness. You know, you mentioned it like I was 24. I didn't know better. I just did it. And you did. So, you created a product that, you know, people that are in the city and in this marketplace are like, I don't want a shitty just production bun. You know, <laughs> where's and they don't realize it. So kudos to you. Check out Baked In with Josh Allen. It's on all the major outlets, uh, Apple, Spotify, etc. Because if you're a St. Louis homer, you're going to want to hear these stories because these people are the ones that make your life cool <laughs> and they feed you good food and everything else so congratulations josh on the on the drop uh best of luck with the show and you are um, one hell of a hype man you know that <laughs> i'm a cut man you know sunday 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 <laughs> yes so we're gonna we're gonna roll out we you know down here uh johnny needs to uh, refill our pint glasses here uh, gonna roll out with a little bit of camp and we'll be right back with josh and we'll talk some nonsense sports later The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature, all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. Oh, Let's go, man. dude. Was that Kim with two M's? That would be Kim with two M's. Ooh, doggy. Oh, that was well done. We're back. I that think her. Good. I, I think she good. she needs work on her enunciation. No, we might need to have nope. Zach. <laughs> no, no, I'm just no, I'm gonna just listen to that over and over again. <laughs> I mean, it sounds appetizing. Um, I mean, you keep the rose. Um, you keep the kids. Um, I'll take the golf, the vinyl collection, and the three acres. A, I'll probably, do the pickleball. I knew you would be the pickleball guy. Oh yeah. Josh, Josh, what do you think about pickleball? Do you think it's a real sport, or do you think it's just for people that can't play tennis? I don't know. You know what? We just started a relationship with the chicken and pickle folks. Oh. We're selling bread to them across the country, and they're opening in uh, St. Charles he in loves November. Pickleball. I love pickleball. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're doing another one in, uh, the, in the Valley on the district called Pickle and Dill or something like that, and it's a concept. I think it's called Tickle My Pickle. <laughs> nope. That's not it's what not it's that. called. It, it, Jared, ah. the one in the district is actually supposed to be very similar to what we experienced in Austin with the pitch. Ooh, I love that place. So the pitch was in Austin, and it was it was in between the main grass field for Austin FC's academy and their larger stadium turf field. And it was this modular 
idea of shipping yeah. containers shipping containers cool. that were separated uh by these paths and walkways and they had they had a uh a burger place. They had a taco place. They had an, uh, a Vietnamese place. They had a barbecue place. All they had a bar. Entities. All separate. But they have an app you can order from in a really cool open concept area. They had three pickleball courts. They had a sand volleyball court, all connected and kind of within walking distance of these these fields. And so the the, the traffic was cool, and you could sit outside. Or they had on the top level, air conditioned seating areas, with Trash cans yeah. and napkins. Containers. And the most important thing that hasn't been mentioned, they had like a central bar. I and, said it. Um, oh, that you did? I did. Okay. He did. He said they had drinks. And I said uh, they had a bar. Yeah. We'll extrapolate. I was just enamored. Great story. I was just enamored by Zach's eyes. I just was, I just. <laughs> like, oh, shit. I had somebody tell me one time, yeah, you have beautiful eyes. They're like pool water. <laughs> pool water. Like what the, what does that even mean? With pee. What, what'd you do? Did you <laughs> bring a, Bag full of mushrooms and like know. you were the it's everybody's fr- friend. I, w- I I thought it was a compliment, <laughs> but I I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, Josh, you've got uh, you were an official uh, soccer dad. Um, you your boy has uh, his he's ran the gamut between some of the evil empires, um, and y- you know you get into that age where high school's around the corner. Um, you know, with with the landscape of soccer being what it is right now, you and um, Melissa, um, how are you guys, you know, how, how do you manage it? Because all of us have our own, like, horror stories and good stories as to, you know, uh, quarterbacking the practices and everything else because they're all over the place. Compared to when you were a kid, when we were kids, and now, kind of what, what's your secret sauce See what I did there I, on uh, managing uh, the logistics, keeping him in, in, engaged and preparing him for high school ball. What, what, what are you guys doing with uh, the Big E? Well, I was a West 75 kid. Was West 75 around for you guys or was that? That's not a name I'm familiar with. No, but I'm from Granite City, so oh. I have an excuse to not know. <laughs> So I mean we're we're not having the conversation that you guys have. We don't we don't have the opportunity to have the conversation of whether we're going to choose academy over high school. So Elliot's right. playing at the elite level at, at Gallagher. He's doing great. Um, super committed kid. Works every day. Works after school. Goes to the gym with me in the mornings two days a week. But we're we're just not there yet. Part of it is is size and puberty. You know those things are going to come into play. And I was listening to your episode a handful of weeks ago with Otto, um, who has coached Elliot. At, um, at Gallagher, and and I was really happy to hear that that this whole idea of him going to high school and being able to find his own path and being able to get in front of coaches who have never seen him. You know, I think the great thing about these clubs is they can develop these kids, but at the same time, I think you're sometimes your kid can get pigeonholed as an 11 or 12 year old and he's that kid and that's how the club's going to view him forever and and you know that so many things change between 11 12 13 and 15 or 16 years old um that sometimes that's unfair to some of these kids and i think the opportunity to go work with a coaching staff that's totally new who have no preconceived notion of who he is and what he is i mean he's going to have to work his ass off and he's going to have to show up and he's going to have to prove it but he gets the opportunity to 
do that in front of a staff that doesn't know. And I think it's going to be, I hope that it's going to be great for his confidence that he's going to have an opportunity to, to shine a little bit because he's going to end up at, he's going to go to Ladue. Um, and I know the, the, that it's partial club kids and not everybody's a club kid. I mean, it's, you know, it's that, that combination, but they've been competitive in, yeah. in the last handful of years that I'm excited about. And he's going to have to work hard, um, but he's going to have that opportunity. And, and I think that's going to be neat. So, um, but again, it's different. I mean, if, if he was on an academy program, you know, I, I don't know that I can really conceive of, of how we would go through that conversation because we don't have to make that decision. But but I do think that opportunity is a good one. So does he get a special treatment for being a legacy Ram or? <laughs> I don't know that anybody's going to remember me. You know? <laughs> you know, the, the captain from 1987 doesn't mean a lot there. <laughs> the staff has turned over a few times, I think. So we'll find out, I guess. I think it's really cool. And I, I loved what Otto said, which was, you know, going through the academy process, going to play for his his national team, then coming back and playing for his high school, he talked more glowingly, I think, about his high school experience than he did some of the other well, aspects. Well, yeah, the whole tone in his voice it changed, and you probably heard it through the you know through the speakers whenever you listened to the episode. It was there was definitely like a love affair that he had with. He also thinks he developed the most during high school. I mean, right, he yeah. gained his, it was like a snowball headed for hell. Well, because he yeah. wasn't. No, and, that's and, right. And, and, you know, for your son, Elliot, and for, for any kid, if they have an opportunity to be, first of all, a non, a known commodity coming in, right? So there's no preconceived notions. He can really carve his own path and be part of a community and grow with that community. And I think that's really cool. And it, it is something that, we talk about a lot on this the show, but I, I'm excited to see how he does and and. What you the, guys what mentioned like. you guys mentioned the competitiveness aspect, right? right? And and I think Gallagher is a, tr a tremendous program, and he's developed a lot, and he's he's learning how to play, and he's learning, you know, the, the system that they're teaching him. But but winning isn't the main thing, right? And, right. and look, I think that in many respects, I think that's terrific, and it's nice not yeah. to have that pressure, and and that's not a concern. And um, but at the same time, I think to want to just beat the snot out of your out of out of the neighboring Clayton, just out of yeah. Clayton, out of Eureka, out of Parkway South, like whatever those schools. Just are not, not Webster, Webster. Yeah. not Lafayette. <laughs> well, you're gonna want to beat the heck out of Webster too. <laughs> Shit, John Burroughs and Chaminade are next door, right? You know, I mean, those guys too. Well, I think too. The other thing that's happening in the in the in the uh, high school marketplace <clears throat> is a byproduct of the academies and of so many kids that are now in, in the academy systems between Fuse and Gallagher and City. Obviously, the parity uh, between the public schools and the private schools it's getting closer. Uh, look at what Webster, you know, Timmy Velton, what he's done with Webster the last few years. Oh, Rockwood uh, Summit. Yeah, Rockwood Summit. So it's like, you know, Ledoux. Yeah, I mean, when we were kids, it was, it was CBC, Dismet, Vianne, yeah, like you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and, and you really weren't going to be competitive against them. You might be able to do well in the Suburban South League, and then <laughs> yeah. outside of that, that was going to be the end of it. And and now it's totally different. It's wide open now. And, and I think that's great. I think it's it's a great opportunity. And, and you guys know as, as well as anybody that the filtration system that happens from college, for, from high school to college, it's a very small percentage of kids that go from college to the right. next level. It's a very small percentage. So you got to mm -hmm. really have a great experience at whatever level you're at at that moment, because you don't know if you're going to keep playing. I mean, I really wanted to play college soccer and I got to school and the, the jump from Ladue to Pac-10 
10 at the time was there was no way I was going to make that leap. I just we didn't I, I didn't have the skills to do it. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's a pretty good conference. <laughs> right. Well, in, in that timeline also, when when if my timeline is right, the majority of the national team was on the Western seaboard. Yeah, most of them were coming out of the West Coast. Yes, absolutely. So our team, cream of the crop, was coming from California. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, no, it's um, Stanford specifically. So, so let me let me ask you this then specifically as it applies to Gallagher, because obviously we know the club well. Uh, you know, we talked to a number of other clubs. You know, we know Otto's now over uh, St. Louis Stars. Um, um, Brad just left. Brad just left. But Gallagher, my my question to you is, <clears throat> excuse me, do you think that the club is is doing a good job of preparing? the uh, Elliot in particular, but the boys in general uh, that are in that elite and premier and, you know, those levels in which you know they're going to be going in and competing for high school. Do you think they're doing a good job of preparing them for high school ball? I don't know that I can speak across the board. I can say that they're preparing Elliot well. I mean, Dan Schoen, who's who's been Elliot's coach at Gallagher for three years now, has, is a terrific guy. Great and he's, coach. Um, he, he's been he's been he's had a, we, we've had a great experience with him and he's pushed Elliot and Elliot's had good years and, and challenging years and good years and and you know Dan's been he Dan's the same guy every day when he comes and and he expects a lot out of those kids and and that's been great so I can't speak across the board I think you know we're getting ready to go through this um, the uncertainty of the June time period at uh, these clubs which is you know kind of how reshuffling. It, the reshuffling and this year because the 09s are going to go to, you know, the City Academy now is available, so so we're going to see that reshuffling that, that we haven't had before where many of the top kids may choose to leave to go to City. Um, you know, you went, you guys went through that a year ago, and, and, right. and we're going to go through that now, and so what's that reshuffling going to look like and the uncertainty and the, the high school and the trap year well, and all yeah. the different things that happen, you know, you know, what, are we going to have an answer in June? Are we going to not know till the fall? No. You know, do, I, do you, do, do you think about that a lot? I, I mean, hate because, that. Yeah, I because, El, I mean, El, Elliot loves the game. I mean, the boys, you know, any minute that they have time off on and when they're not at school together, um, you know, they're out kicking. He, he loves the game. Does he, is, is he kind of like um, uh, preparing himself for it? Does he talk to you about it? Is it, you know, because it is, it's tough on these kids, you know, not knowing. So how, how are you handling it with him and how is he handling it going into freshman year? Is he excited at the prospect? And, and how, how do you, um, basically what I'm looking for is uh, a tip or a trick that you are applying in your relationship with Elliot that other parents, because there's a lot of parents that don't handle it well. Yeah, um, yeah, and you, and you guys handle it well is really well, what I'm I, getting I, at. I don't know. It's, I mean, I think it's hard. The uncertainty is hard for all of us. And, and even the coaching staff doesn't necessarily have the answer for you. You don't even know where to get the answer sometimes. I wish that yeah. there was more communication. And, and I understand the uncertainty that exists for them, who, who's coming in, what other kids from the outside. I mean, I will say that we did some tryouts last summer to, just to sort of line up some other opportunities. The last thing he wanted to do was leave. Um, we actually didn't know if Dan was going to coach again. There was some uncertainty whether he was going to coach again. And, and when he decided to coach and, and Elliot could stick with him, we, we certainly chose that path because we've, we've had a good experience. But we went to sporting. We went to, you know, a couple of other things just to see what else was out there. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, so you're trying to navigate the whole thing. I, and I wish there was a better way that they could do it. Um, you let, know. let me ask kind of a, a unique question. And you can answer this however you'd like. But. From my understanding, and, and Jared, JB, you guys check me on this. 
My understanding is that Fuse is also changing their academy to increase the number of academy programs that they're going to have. Meaning right now it's U13, U14. Yeah, they're going all the way up. They've they're going all the way up to U19. Uh, membership in the MLS Next League and multiple other age groups. So realistically, there are three academy programs within St. Louis. If Elliot had an opportunity, was given the opportunity to go to Fuse and, and be on their academy, how would you and, and your wife kind of handle that, that discussion with Elliot? I think the same way that we handled it last summer, which in the end, I do think it's his decision. I yeah. think it's, it's our job to make sure that, that we open up the doors for him and not, and not, cause he can put the blinders on a little bit and not be sure where to look around and see. So I think the tryouts were more for us to say, look, why don't you go see what some other coaches are like? Why don't you go see what some other programs are like and see right. if anything resonates with you differently than, than what you've experienced now. Um, I mean, in the end, it's his decision. And, and in the end, still, knock on wood, it's about the kids that he gets to play with. And, and I mean, we love the parents on the team, so it's great that we happen to really like the parents. And that, and that makes it, made it easy for us to want to stay. Um, at the same time, we weren't even sure if he was going to be asked to be on that team again, right? So you don't even, there's, yeah, the yeah, coach yep, can't yeah, even necessarily yeah. say, hey, look, if all things are equal, you're at least going to be with me. You, they can't really even say that. So. Kudos to you guys for for testing, putting your toe in the water and all those places just to see what's out there. But, I mean, I referenced the shirt that's in the, the Soccer Park fan shop. I'd rather be at Soccer Park. So, I mean, how do you leave that place? Yeah. I mean, that, that's the greatest place on earth for me. Growing up there as a youth, I don't care about Lou Fuse, Scott Gallagher, Sporting, City. Soccer park fucking rocks. <laughs> I mean, it's just it just makes me feel happy. It, when it, I pull in, I get in an immediate. Uh, I'm in an immediate good mood. And I'm it's close to way. Wally. And it's close to Wally's, right? Like yeah. you got Wally's right here. <laughs> I knew that the was the problem. Is like, it's is the, that you end up playing in freaking Creef Core a couple nights <laughs> yeah, a week, and there's right no that. colder place in America. Um, no, there's Creef Core soccer. No. Complex. Well, and if you catch it on the right day, whenever that uh, that pond turns over and you oh, smell all the lovely sewage, you know exactly. Exactly what I'm talking oh, about. Dead um, deer smell. So, so let's let's real, real quick. Then I got a question for you. Just I want your take on uh, your experience because you're a season ticket holder as well uh, at City. Um, you you know you're clearly embedded in the city. Uh, you know within the food scene, etc. Uh, you watch the stadium. You know be built. Um, you know when you went there for that first game, you know, checking out uh, the whole vibe, you know, from the food to the field, you know, what's, what, what was your takeaway, you know, being, you know, a St. Louis in your whole life and loving the game, what, what does that uh, stadium and the team and the experience mean to you? I mean, truly, I don't think they could have done it any better. I think that was the thing that was so surprising to me. I don't know what I expected, um, but having grown up, watching the stars a little bit. I mean, I was young when they left. So what they left in 77 or 78, right? So yeah. I would have been eight years old or nine years old when they left. So, I mean, it was super early, but I remember that experience. Um, and then watching soccer made in Germany on TV oh, as a kid, awesome. but, um, I, don't, I just don't think they could have done it any better. I mean, I think walking up to that stadium and having the field be sunk so that it or sunk in so it's only three it doesn't feel like this imposing stadium. Right, like it was right. such an approachable building and it being wide open. And 
the food and knowing I, I have the luxury of knowing many of the vendors and know that they supported the local independent restaurant community and that you go in there and you know the people and, and the and, smell and yeah the smell of the whole place and, and <laughs> it, it doesn't uh, smell like a stadium no uh, like because of the food variation and the lack of like nuclear orange nacho cheese permeating <laughs> the air only at Wally's <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't prepared to not sit down I mean we have not we've been to an, an, a lot of games and we have not sat down like nobody sits in I don't place. even go to my seats my section sits do they they do that's why I go down and hang out with JB and Jerry <laughs> <laughs> on the concourse. We, we have seats, but we don't sit. We walk. We you want to find us? We're on the corner at 100. <laughs> so. the north is it the north uh, northeast corner that where we're at? No, that would be the south southeast. Yeah. yeah, southeast corner. Sorry. Yeah, no, it, it's so much fun. Um, Elliot, obviously, he's been a few, a few times as well. Um, who's his favorite player? Oh, I mean, Klaus. Is, there's no question about it. Does and he Stroud. He actually. I mean, he's sort of. He kind of likes the midfield thing. He sort of appreciates. Stroud, Stroud's yeah. a little. He, I mean, he's a shit disturber. He's yeah. the villain. He, I mean, he really is the villain on the team. And he's kind of like Sonic the Hedgehog. He's just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I like, all that teams is the need most it. It's unique the description I've ever heard of a soccer player. Sonic. Yeah, I've, that's good. I like it. He kind of is Sonic. The I get Hedgehog. it. I mean. I was going to say he's like, not as he's blue. our pro. Did you have a Sega Genesis? Oh, absolutely. He's Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, here, here's the deal. May the 4th. And let's see if you can get this one. It's the Mandalorian. Damn. You're good How does he this. get that right I'm away? I'm a nerd. <laughs> Grady and I were talking about this series on the way up here. I haven't watched it Do yet. Do you watch these, Josh? Do you watch? We the, have watched uh, a lot of Mandalorian. Yeah. Oh, it's so yeah. good, isn't we're, it? We're a couple episodes behind on this current. The season. Boba Fett thing, I had a hard. hard it was time hard to get through. Into. Yeah. 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 All the guest stars that are coming in, I hear it's really slickster that there's a bunch of guest stars in there. Jack you, Black was just on the Mandalorian. Jack Black. Yeah, that, that was weird. I had a hard time with that because what was he, he, actually, Jar Jar my Binks? kids, we could have been, should have been, <laughs> probably would have been better. No, because my <laughs> no, kids point bad. out, you know, my kids get irritated at these shows whenever it's just a uh, normal slash American English speaker character they're Without like a british well, accent. Just a, yeah there's no british accent and they're like that's not a real star wars character <laughs> I, we need to have a whole episode on the phenomenon that is british accents for all non all industries english speaking yeah. roles no it's like city voice the other podcast we talked about the only reason it's doing well is it's, it's no i'm talking about Londoner like the hosts. movie gladiator set in in rome and all the actors don't have an Italian accent. They have an English accent. Oh, that's too deep, dude. Or if you Speaking go to like a, other podcasts, German movies. I, I just weird. want to throw out that I just saw the article of the six podcasts talking about St. Louis City and St. Louis Magazine. Oh, and yeah. you guys weren't on there. No, we weren't. We don't talk, I was not very happy to see that. Well, but the thing is, like, of a, uh, you know, within the hour that we talk and a little hour and 20 that we talk to people, as a percentage of the time that we talk, only maybe yeah, city. four or five. Look, <laughs> we love the team. We support it. We love soccer. Yeah, but you distill the news the, into what it needs to be. It doesn't need to be any more than that. And then your <laughs> guests talk about it. Like, it doesn't need, like, that's enough. You guys do enough. I agree. And that's why I say, let the other people talk about it. 
we'll talk about stuff that other people care about. Yeah, like the Mandalorian and and <laughs> bread. and, and Wally's bread. <laughs> Josh, thank you, man, for joining this us. Is we great, Josh. Uh, thank you. We uh, really enjoyed uh, the time with you. Um, best of luck with uh, Baked In. Give it a follow if you're listening. It's it's on all the majors. Uh, give us a follow if you haven't yet, and toss a share around. Uh, we've got some amazing guests coming up uh, here the next two three weeks. You definitely want to tune in. Somebody for... that probably knows something about soccer. No, no, no. We no. We actually. I think we got Emeril Lagasse. <laughs> Emeril's got, coming. Uh, uh, Dude, you weren't supposed Hell's to drop kitchen. that. <laughs> like, uh, they they are all, all soccer parents. Uh, all right, dude. We are totally <laughs> muting you next time. Gordon all right. Ramsey. Bam! <laughs> and we're out. Thank you, everybody, for Thank listening. You. We'll catch you next time.